I'm Marcy Moberg, and this is Tune In with Marcy, a podcast devoted to exploring what it means to reconnect to our intuitive nature. Hey there, and welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I'm your host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, and I'm delighted that you're here today. I just wanted to share a little update before we start diving into this week's episode, which is another beautiful re-air of a popular episode from season one that's all about dream symbols. I'm in the process of preparing for season three of the podcast, which I'm really excited to release. I was kind of hoping that it would be out actually this week, um, which when this episode is airing is the fall equinox, but I have had some some interesting health uh, initiations, we could say. So, you know, cosmic timing is always um, perfect timing in the cosmic sense, but not always on the human sense, um, which connects me with a story that just briefly I wanted to share. And that was that uh, recently I was driving and... When I was uh, I had stopped at a favorite place to uh, pick up some takeaway and to bring home um, as like a special treat for lunch, and uh, I had called ahead, you know, with enough time. When I got there, the the restaurant was really um, busy, and they were like a little bit behind. So I just waited, and as the case, you know, like. Usually when, when, when our timelines are moving at a different timeline than we want, we tend to get impatient. But I just thought to myself, I was kind of like in a pretty uh, relaxed place and thought, yeah, I'm just, you know, okay, I'll wait longer. No problem. So I waited and then eventually got my food. And then when I left, I drove down the road probably like, maybe two blocks or something like that. Maybe it was a little bit further than that. At any rate, it was definitely less than a mile. And traffic was just like completely stopped for what seemed like forever. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. This is going to take me like a pretty long time to get home. And as it turned out, there was this unfortunate like a really horrible accident where I'm not entirely sure what happened, but someone had uh, gone off the road and run through like the, the bus stop and, uh, and through like the bus sign and all these, like just, wow, just totally decimated like tons of property. Their car and the other car was just really, really super damaged. Um, and I had this moment of like recognizing, you know, gosh, could I have been caught up in that, um, you know, moment if my food had not been delayed? I think it's very possible given the timing of where it seemed like they were in the process by the time I um, got there and in the moment that it took to wait for my food. So... I say that because for me, it was just, it felt like this, um, 
it was like mirroring for me this beautiful reminder that everything happens in in cosmic timing. Uh, you know, everything happens in this unusual timing. Sometimes when we're delayed with things, it can be frustrating. And I'm giving a simple example of like waiting at a um, you know restaurant for food. But sometimes we're waiting for bigger things. We're waiting for goals to unfold. We're waiting for the right job to come into place. We're waiting to um, things to fall in place to know where we want to move. We're waiting for the right person, partner to show up. We're just waiting for different pieces to click into place in our inner work. We kind of feel like we're in the, the foggy, misty, middle, mucky void of between clarity. And sometimes there's some wisdom in that. Um, so that felt like an important reminder. And I do feel like it's an important reminder when we head, as we're heading into this fall, which is a time where nature starts to release leaves on trees and shed what no longer is needed and move at a different pace than summer, which is boom, 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 you know, fast growth and lots of blooms and, you know, loud vegetation. Things start to shift, at least where I am right now in the Northern Hemisphere. So I just wanted to share that reflection and mirroring because it felt important and it felt like an important, I guess, teaching story for myself and I wanted to share it with you all. The other thing I want to share briefly is just some insights into what you can maybe be excited about looking forward to in the months ahead for season three of the podcast. And I wanted to share some of the survey results because I think that they're very interesting and maybe they get you excited about what's ahead. So I had asked in the survey which topics people really wanted me to um, cover and which ones they had enjoyed the most so far. And the number one topic that people enjoyed the most was about ancestors, Um, which is interesting because I definitely have had already in my mind and yes, I already have in my mind, in my heart, (laughs) lots of lots of ideas about that and sharing more about ancestors because my ancestors and working with them and ancestral healing work both in myself, within myself, and then with my clients is just, it's, it's been so impactful for me. It's been, it has been one of the most surprising and impactful, um, I guess, areas of my path so far. So I am planning to share more on that. And I think it's interesting because we're entering the fall and this fall, I, I always feel in the, like the subtle lead up to the equinox. I was talking about this with a couple of folks this week that I, I always find in the lead up to that, that my ancestors start to get very active. And, uh, this year they got active of just showing up a lot more in my dream space. Like all the time, all the time, all the time, Um, slowly leading up to this fall. And I don't think that's a surprise because I think of the fall and the winter as, our ancestors are always active, right? But I do think of the fall and and the winter as an extremely potent time for ancestor work, 
where in many cultures across the world, in many traditions, there is an idea that there's a lot of ceremony of, of ancestors. There's a lot of ancestral remembrance, ritual at this time of the year. And certainly that was the case for like my further ancestors back in my, you know, kind of Europe, some of my European ancestry, there are rituals that are celebrated, um, you know, that connect to this time of year and that are, it's understood that, that this fall move into winter. It's like, it's where the veil thins uh, between the worlds and it, and also you know by nature that we kind of draw more inward because we're we're you know we're not outside in the same way and if we were kind of working in a traditional way of in relationship with the land we wouldn't be you know harvesting in the same way tending to the land in the same way in the uh, winter time all that is to say that it's great time to talk about ancestors so I will definitely be talking more about that the second topic that folks in the survey said they wanted to hear, they enjoyed and would want to hear more about would be spirit guides, um, which and sometimes in some cases there are overlaps between spirit, the idea of spirit guides and ancestors. So I'll definitely talk more about that. The next one that there was like a tie between uh, dream work and uh, trauma sensitive intuition work. So, um, yes, of course, I'll definitely continue, uh, talking about that. So those will be some pieces that I will be, uh, sharing in the months ahead. Uh, the majority of survey folks said that they enjoy these longer episodes, you know, like kind of a 45 minutes or longer. So I'll, I'll stick to that format. Um, and there were requests. Uh, the biggest request was for more channeled messages about collective themes. So I'll be I'll be doing that, and um, and kind of sharing what messages are kind of resonating for me the most in different seasons and uh, coming through for me at that time. I'll say you know. I had originally wanted to kind of do a channeled message uh, for this week. <laughs> but again, with this whole health initiation, that's not what was meant to have happened. But I will say that leading into this fall, I think a big theme is uh, that I'm seeing show up for myself. I'm hearing from my guides and I'm seeing in my client work mirrored a lot in some of my personal relationships. And that is uh, this sense of unfinished business, um, diving deeper to address unfinished business and releasing, like letting go. So I know those are some themes that I've been definitely working with ahead of the fall and, um, we'll be doing more like channeled messages around that in the, yeah, in the episodes ahead. The other pieces that people asked for were like live sessions where I do like a live dream interpretation or a live intuitive healing um, in the podcast. So I, I am starting to schedule those. I have some scheduled already. I will be excited to do that. They'll be sitting down with listener like you and doing that process. If you would love to participate in that, just make sure that you're on my 
newsletter list on my, which you can easily join on my website at marcymover.com. So yeah, there will still be solo episodes. I am hoping to invite some friends on the podcast that I think you'll enjoy hearing from that either are uh, professionals that you might be interested in their expertise and, or you just might enjoy the conversation. For example, one of my best friends and I have been talking about doing a whole episode about friendship and um, reflections on friendship. So I'm, I'm excited for those pieces ahead. So that'll be kind of, that's kind of just giving you a sense of, you know, what's ahead, topics that people asked for in addition to like dreams, ancestors we talked about, um, was more about past lives and um, Akashic records and plant healing. Um, so those are some of the pieces that other folks have asked for, which are all exciting topics. Like, yes, yes, yes. I'd love to talk about those things. So that's a little preview of what's ahead. This week's episode has a focus on dream symbolism, as I mentioned. I just wanted to kind of pop in and, I don't know, feel like I'm here with you in this moment, (laughs) even though it's not a new episode. I do mention in the episode about my dream interpretation program, and that will be opening up again soon. I will be running that program this fall, and I will be opening uh, the waiting list for that extremely soon. So also, if you're not already on my newsletter list and you would love to learn dream interpretation with me, then make sure you're on that list to be the first to know when the wait list opens. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed this little update and touch base. Hey, welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I am your host, Marcy Moberg. I'm an intuitive coach and healer, and I'm so excited and happy that you're here. As we dive in today, continuing in this entire month focused on dreams, just a little side note, there's a lot of construction where I am today. Um, So if you hear lots of construction noises, Uh, this is what we got. This is what we got. I tried to record a lot of different times and, you know, hey, c'est la vie. So we're just going with it because life life is like this sometimes. And uh, part of what I really like to advocate for people is that, um, you know, life isn't perfect. perfect. So, So there you go. Me and the construction noises welcome you. Um, Let's talk today about why you should never use a dream dictionary. Before we talk about not using a dream dictionary, let's talk a little bit about what are dream dictionaries and why would we use them in the first place. So what is a dream dictionary? Um, You know, dream dictionaries include uh, popular dream symbols. They may include archetypes and they often uh, describe the meaning of them. Sometimes the meaning is included in a larger historical context of if there's a a myth around a particular symbol or popular stories, and sometimes it's just the meaning that the author of whatever you're looking at um, has come to the conclusion around. 
Dream dictionaries come in books. They come in the form of websites, Google searches. <laughs> I think that's where most of the people that have been my clients or students over the years, I've seen them go to Google searches a lot because a lot of information is now on the interwebs. And dream dictionaries can sometimes be quite broad. For example, what do houses mean in dreams could be a big category, or they could be super specific. What does it mean to be in a uh, small bathroom in a dream? Or what does it mean to be in your original childhood home, for example? So they can be quite broad or quite specific. So I, I love to kind of poke around um, on the internet before I do an episode. And of course, I, I looked up, you know, some fun dream dictionary pieces. And on dreamdictionary.org, for example, to give you a sense of what it looks like if there's something very specific, there's a whole specific entry on snake bites and what could a snake bite in a dream mean. And there's quite a long entry on it, but, you know, just to quote one part of it, according to dreamdictionary.org, snake bites are common dream symbols that bring your awareness towards deceitful people in your life. Considered a bad omen when a poisonous snake has attached itself to you. This is a warning to protect yourself from people, situations, or things that pose imminent danger. So it's a very specific symbol, snake bite. Or we could say, for example, the broader symbol could be snakes in a dream. A very even more specific snake bite, a very specific action experience in a dream. And then the description goes even further where it gets into this piece around actually poisonous snakes. What's a poisonous snake bite mean? So that's kind of just an example of what we're talking about when we're talking about dream dictionaries. If you haven't used one before, great. I'm going to encourage you moving forward not to, uh, at least for quite a, for a while, and I'll talk about why. But if you have used them before, then you may be familiar with these, these kind of layers of, of them, and you may, you may be the, the Google type, the Google Dream Dictionary type. That certainly is for myself where I was coming from my former self when I was first starting to explore what my dreams meant. I often would type in something into Google and uh, over time, that's really what eventually led me to where I am today with a, quite a robust dream practice, not because of the dream dictionary, but rather because the dream dictionary so often didn't really, as I discovered over time, didn't really match fully what was happening for me. So why do people use them? Well, you might want answers and you might want them fast. We live in a society and culture where faster is better sometimes. I mean, I don't think faster is better, but you know what I mean. Pop culture says faster is better. And we want answers, boom, 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 at our fingertips. We have these smart devices of our phones now that really allows us to search for something immediately. So, you know, you might want answers and you might want them fast. Why else might you use a dictionary? It might be that you aren't an expert, so you think the easiest way to find one is through a book or a website. Uh, 
there can be experts that have books and websites. Certainly that is true. That is a way to receive expertise. But I'm going to talk a little bit about why specifically dream dictionaries for me, if you are going to turn to, for example, a book or a website might not be the right place to start. You also might feel like, you know what, you don't have anywhere else to turn. And so, uh, <laughs> as one of my teachers calls Google, like a, a guru Google, like, you know, um, <laughs> you might turn to guru, your guru Google um, because you feel like you have nowhere else to turn. And you don't have a dream practice. So if you don't have a dream practice, you are more likely to go into a process of looking at dream dictionaries and looking at the symbolism. So that might be some of the reasons why you use a dictionary. All totally valid. And my invitation is just to say, let's pause before looking at dictionaries and perhaps develop some other knowledge and skills first. So you might think, for example, it's easier to just Google your dreams or find a dream dictionary because maybe you, you've had dreams you're embarrassed about, like that dream you recently had about your ex. I see you. I know you. Hey, we've all had them, by the way. I have worked with a lot of clients and students over the years and taught workshops and everybody has these kind of dreams, embarrassing dreams, whether it's about your ex or something else, or there's some weird, bizarre scenario that you would never imagine, or you're hitting on someone you would absolutely never hit on in, in public or in your waking life. Everybody has these dreams that we think are embarrassing, that we feel maybe ashamed of, we want to hide, or we don't understand. We all have them. I promise. <laughs> I've had them. I promise. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just part of the dream worlds. But that might be one way where you would think, gosh, I really, you know, I don't want other people to know about what's happening in my dream world. So, Googling your dreams or having a dream dictionary they can pick up off the shelf might feel like an easy way to get some answers without feeling like you have to talk about dream material with other people. You Maybe you want to avoid confronting uh, the deeper meaning of a, for example, nightmare. So you're hoping that a cookie cutting answer, like cookie cutter answer will just give you exactly the meaning you want but like not too much so that you get scared, right? <laughs> so just enough about what does it mean to be chased, but not too much that it's too personal and then I feel like it's too touchy and too vulnerable for me. Mm, that being said, again, one of the reasons why it's important not to use a dream dictionary, and we're going to talk more about this, is for example, that dream of being chased could have a lot of meanings. And let's say you go to a dream dictionary and you think you found the meaning or if you have a surface level meaning, not maybe the unique meaning for you, but then you keep having these chasing dreams and you wonder why. And I would say that that's because you haven't really fully unlocked the meaning. And sometimes we do need to go to those places of the deeper meaning behind a dream um, so that we can receive the dream's medicine. That, that scary dream is not here to just simply scare you and terrorize you at night. 
that dream is, is full of deep medicine. And some of the most powerful dreams from my own healing and growth in my personal life have been nightmares. So yeah, nightmares get a bad rep, but they can be quite profound if we work with them in a, in a very intentional way. You might also think, you might be in the camp of saying that you think it's cheaper and faster to Google your answers or get a dream dictionary than going to a therapist, working with an intuitive or doing some hypnotherapy sessions. So that might be another reason why you turn to just a dream dictionary or Googling. And you might think most things, like you might be one of those people that's super independent and you think, yeah, well, I should just be able to figure this out myself. Dreams are not that complicated. Mm, I hear you. Yeah. And there is a way at a certain point where you can figure things out. And sometimes it's helpful. We don't have to make things hard for ourselves. There are ways that we can get support along the way. So it's great that you're, you know, reaching out through, for example, Google searching or pulling some books off your shelf. But let's take that a step further so you're actually getting the, the right support you need to maybe get the answers you're seeking. So I just believe that for now, anyways, I want to encourage you not to use a dream dictionary. Try your best not to Google dream symbols. Try your best not to buy a bunch of dream dictionaries to put on your shelf. Maybe that's something that you can explore later. But I first want to invite you to focus on developing an actual personal dream practice. And after the break, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why I think that dream dictionaries are not the first place to go and why I'm advocating so strongly for every single person to have some kind of personal dream practice. Hey there, Marcy here. Speaking of the power of healing, I believe at the center of all healing is a reconnection to our intuition, the seat of our inner truth and authenticity. Now, the question is, how do we do that? I would say that we learn how to hear and trust our inner voice. That's really what it comes down to. And I would love to invite you to watch my free masterclass, Hear Your Inner Voice, where I explore this topic and I explore the three main obstacles to hearing our intuition and how to address them. You will walk away with practical exercises and tips that you can start implementing right away. And those three obstacles that I notice the most are self-doubt, knowing the difference between fear and intuition, and discerning our own heart's guidance. You can watch this free masterclass now at marcymoberg.com forward slash masterclass. That's marcymoberg.com forward slash masterclass. I can't wait to share with you more. Why should you never use a dream dictionary? Here's a couple ideas. First, dream dictionaries are the interpretations of the writers themselves. In other words, they're based off of the writer's dreams and the writer's experiences. But you're not them. 
and your life material is different. So that's important to know because their interpretation is limited to their own personal framework and their set of experiences. For example, if the person writing the Dream Dictionary website, whatever it is that you're looking at, has the belief that all dreams are simply a reflection of our inner personal world and psyche. In that interpretation, they might understand each of the symbols in the dream, like a snake, going back to what we were talking about before. They might understand that snake as an aspect of oneself, and therefore that interpretation would be colored in that light. But in reality, a snake, for example, is a, is a popular symbol, and I've seen it show up in many clients' dreams over the years. I've had snakes in my own dreams. I've had friends who have had snakes in dreams. And what that snake has meant in those dreams has been very different for different people and different times in their life. And so that's important because, well, you might one day look at a dream dictionary and see a symbolism and an explanation and think, boom, yes, that's totally it. That's great. Those moments are great. More often than not, what I've seen happen with clients who have come through uh, my client work doors and in my intuitive classes and mentoring sessions is that people Google for something or look up a symbol in a, in a dream dictionary. It doesn't quite fit, and then they try to really force it to fit. And they think that uh, any other way of interpreting it might be wrong, and they may start to judge themselves harshly for thinking that it doesn't fit or feeling uh, judging themselves like, oh, I'm not really getting it, I feel so dumb, you know, whatever the case is, there can be a lot of judgment and pressuring. Uh, and really in that moment when we're doing that, when we're, we're for example, let's say the, the snake in, in one description under a more psychological frame is that the snake is a representation of just our deepest unconscious desire, let's say. If we relate to it in that way, and then when we read the description, it doesn't really quite match. And we think, oh gosh, I'm, you start to judge ourselves and go, oh gosh, I'm not quite getting it right. Or I, I don't really quite get the picture. And then suddenly we've started judging ourselves and beating ourselves up. Um, number one, it's just not healthy. And a lot of times that can happen because, you know, depending on our relationship to personal power, authority, our history of trauma, there's a lot of complex things that can come into play here. Maybe we have this issue of kind of being very deferential to an expert. And so then suddenly we've put ourselves into a place of override. We're overriding our inner truth of, oh, this doesn't quite fit um, because we think that the expert would know Um, And that can be a really yucky feeling, and it also can be extremely damaging to our intuition and our connection with our intuition. So that's just one example, (laughs) one one instance. Another reason why I think we shouldn't use dream dictionaries 
is that dream symbols and and this kind of a, I kind of alluded to this in the piece uh, when I started talking about the snake, but dream symbols don't always have a universal meaning. They can be different between different people, and they also can change. So, for example, let's say you have a dream of a tiger, and when you explore it. That one dream that you looked at, it, it's very clear to you that the tiger represents a part of yourself. And then you have a dream another time. And the tiger experience in the dream is, is different. But hey, the symbol's the same. It's a tiger, right? And you're having this very close encounter with a tiger. But perhaps upon closer examination, you recognize that this is actually like an ancient power, almost like a, 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 an animal deity. Like the, the consciousness of tiger is visiting you in more of perhaps a way that it's inviting you into being guided by that consciousness or having an engagement, a relationship, a conversation with the consciousness of tiger. Uh, that's very different. If you, for example, just lock yourself in at the beginning, you have a dream of a tiger and you think it represents a part of myself and, oh, that's it. Then every single time you see tiger, you, you think that it represents a, t- a part of yourself. You may be missing some actual different meaning that that symbolism is bringing to you. Uh, so it can really limit your, it can really limit what you can get out of a dream and it can limit the fact that we evolve and change. So that that happened to me, for example, with the symbol of lion. There was a period of time in my life where lions came to me and they were kind of uh, chasing me and hunting me. And that was very much connected to some feelings I had about feeling chased and hunted based on some trauma that I was trying to work through at the time. So that kind of brought to consciousness around what that feeling was like and the feeling that was coming up for resolution. And then there were dreams that I had with Lion that was a representation of my personal power and how I was really struggling to own that personal power and that kind of leadership role. I was, I was struggling to own that powerfulness that's, that's inherent to me and, and, and the fact that uh, kind of that consciousness of Lion is inherent a part of who I am. And then there were dreams where a lion showed up and lion was really there to guide me. Lion was there to invite me to receive a message, uh, inviting me to understand a little bit more deeply about myself. So in that case, lion was showing up as lion, the greater consciousness, wanting to work with me and guide me like a spirit guide. So that's just one symbol over many years that has evolved and changed and been different. And because I developed a dream practice where I allow for more meaning than just a single meaning of a dream symbol, and I don't go to a dream dictionary for that, that I was able to get that richness at those different points. And they have formed, you know, first my healing process. And then uh, an exploration of what it might look like to embody more of my authenticity and then some guidance around next steps in my life uh, as Lion showed up as the consciousness, the greater consciousness of Lion trying to work with me. So uh, 
Dream symbols don't always have a universal meaning. Um, you know, people who write dream dictionaries have no intention of creating. Well, I don't know. Anyways, they just, you know, they have no ill intentions. It's beautiful intentions. And some of them are very rich with interesting material about the myths of, of, of different symbols and things like that, which is beautiful. But I still just think, again, at the beginning, if you struggle, for example, with self-doubt, if you struggle with your personal power, if you struggle with trusting yourself and your instincts sometimes, if you tend to sometimes give your authority away, if you tend to be a person that speak, that kind of thinks in very um, binary terms, right or wrong, or if you tend to judge yourself, like any of those pieces, which are all pieces that are deeply connected to most of the clients that walk through my door or, or the students that take my courses, you know, really sensitive people like myself, we struggle with, with what I just named. Then having something that tells you that this is the meaning as if it's almost like doctrine or dogma is really harmful. For other people who maybe have the opposite problem. I don't know what that would be like because I can't imagine that, but <laughs> people who are like never doubtful, struggle to, to take in other people's opinions, uh, struggle to take in other people's expertise and perspectives and things like that, then a dream dictionary might be really important for them. But yeah, most sensitives, that's not really what we need. We need to really work on building up our own personal authority. So this brings me to the next piece, which is that context matters. The uh, reason why dream dictionaries for me don't always work is because they don't have the context. I was asked in a workshop recently about a dream where someone was flying a plane. And they asked me, you know, well, what does it mean to be flying a plane? And I said, well, it kind of matters about the context. Like even just that example of flying the plane, uh, what's the the flight experience like? Is it bumpy and turbulent or smooth? Is it ex is the feeling of piloting the plane exciting or scary? Are there other people with you or not? Uh, where are you going? Where's the journey taking you? Um, all of those layers can come into what the meaning might be because it could be if you have a dream where you're piloting a plane and you're very excited and you're feeling super confident and you're focusing a lot on the journey, on the navigation, this might be a message that you're on the right track and to really own being the pilot of your own plane and, and chart your own course. But if, for example, the dream is of you flying and you felt rushed to get there and instruments aren't working right and you have a co-pilot who's arguing with you and it's feeling really chaotic and you're feeling scared and lost, then that might be more of a dream that's an invitation to say, well, how are you feeling like you're out of control, that you're not in control of your own destination, you're, 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 you know, who might be the person that feels like the pilot next to you that's kind of giving you a hard time, who in your life feels like that kind of a person, etc. right? So context really <clears throat> matters. Um, you know, another example is a dream of a tiger chasing you. That might be relevant while you are processing trauma, like the example I gave about the lion. And it may represent a part of your past trauma literally hunting you down that you're running away from or feelings that you need to, to be with. 
or running away from a part of your shadow, your unconscious. Or it might be a hypervigilant sense that you always feel like you are being hunted. So context really, really matters. So hearkening back to something else that I said earlier about authority, when you use a, you defer to a dream dictionary, you really give your power away when you rely on the book's interpretation. And again, maybe that's something that's useful later in your dream practice, but I don't recommend it at the beginning when you're starting to learn how to develop your own dream practice and gain confidence with that. Because you really want to be able to develop the ability to understand your own intuitive knowing and navigation system and and know how to discern that and know how to not override that. So for many of us, a big part of our healing is to develop a healthy relationship with our personal power, like I mentioned earlier. And it's also not about just deciding to do everything alone. Some of us have uh, the sense based on what we've gone through, perhaps in our early experience, our family patterns, all sorts of different pieces can lead to this where maybe we have a hyper-independence and we have an aversion towards receiving any sort of support or feeling this pressure like we have to figure out things on our own. And that's also actually a quite less powerful place. So it's not about going it all alone and it's not about giving personal power and all, you know, all over authority to everyone else. We really need to find balance. So at the beginning, when you're developing a dream practice, I really want to encourage you to start to develop confidence in yourself to understand the symbols. And maybe perhaps instead of focusing on learning symbols, I would encourage you to actually focus on learning from someone an actual dream practice and how to develop a dream practice. What also happens when you use a dream dictionary is you move from being an active participant in your dreamscape dreamscape to an actual passive participant. And I personally believe that dreams are living beings. They are this active energy field, or you could even say a consciousness that we can tap back into, that we can develop a relationship with. They're almost like dream, like fields of dreams are almost sometimes in and of themselves like a spirit guide. And when we approach a dream dictionary, we end up approaching our dreams from, I wouldn't say as always a, the healthiest of distance. Sometimes it makes a situation where our dreams are very static. They become kind of dead and distant and they just become symbols. What do I want to say? Symbols to just kind of interpret versus work with and translate how those dreams can inform our everyday actions and thoughts and decisions, which is really what I think dream material is about. Dream material is really here to guide us, to inform our waking daily life. In fact, dreams are some of the most practical pieces that we can work with in our life period. It's kind of like this amazing this amazing inbox for so many things like problem solving that you have. And so you don't want to take a, a, a distant, dead, kind of static engagement with that. That's something that you really want to 
proactively engage, develop a relationship with, have a deep understanding. And in fact, dream material is, is really some of the most intimate material, vulnerable material of our souls in our wider world. And so it's not really something that always lends itself to a distant kind of cold, unemotional cookie cutter symbolism approach, if that makes sense. I just think there's so much, there's so much richer than that. And we really need to give them credit as such. So in some, I would say you want to learn not uh, how to memorize dream symbols, but rather how to interpret your own dream symbols. That's the distinction that I'm inviting you into. And I'm the kind of person that I really love courses. I really love, especially online courses. I get to learn from an expert in the comfort of my home which is, I mean, like now it's like everyday norm in COVID land. (laughs) Um, But I really love that. Like as an introvert, I super love that. As a sensitive person, I super love that because I can be in the comfort of my home, learning, wearing my favorite clothes, sipping my favorite tea, uh, having access to my favorite self-care pieces, working with my favorite journal, all those kind of pieces. As an introvert, like online courses are like a dream come true for me. And I really love um, also having practical exercises to try on for size, the opportunity to ask questions along the way as I'm practicing, you know, which is not really something that we get. Like if I were to read a book, I may have questions and then I can't really go to the author and ask them about that. I mean, I could try, right? But that's not really what the book is for. So there's not really a proactive engagement. So I I love that about online courses. And I also really love having a community of people where we're sharing similar experiences and I feel very seen and understood. And I have other people that I can speak to about what I'm learning. If you're anything like me, let's say you were to go into a dream course, there might be some people in your life that are receptive to that. And then there's others you're like, yeah, no way am I going to talk to so-and-so about this material. They won't really get it. Uh, What was definitely the case for me for a long time was that my uh, own journey to reconnect to my intuition felt really honestly quite lonely. And online courses are where I found my people and where I have found some of my best friends to date, some of the people that I'm closest with and that I can talk about intuitive material and we can geek out about things like dreams. And that's been really important to me because I, I I think it's important for those of us, especially who are quite sensitive and have these in, in this intuitive inkling to really know that what we struggle with, uh, what our gifts are, uh, how we think that there are people that share that with us. And that has been so healing for me. It has honestly, some of the, the, that journey has given me the confidence to do the work that I do today, to do things like this podcast. Um, a lot of my own personal healing has come from simply being in, in community where I can talk about these things and I can feel validated and I can 
have other people that I can develop friendships with both inside the course and then even beyond. And then the other thing is that I also have found that online courses for myself are often uh, affordable. They're accessible, um, kind of regardless of like what's happening with my budget at that time, they seem to be easily accessible and affordable. And so for me personally, online courses have been a win, win, win across the board, whether it's been learning about uh, dream work or ancestors or whatever the topic is, but it's, that's been something that's been a big win for me. And my own experience with them is really what led me to start to offer online courses myself in my own work, because I know that one-on-one work is really, it's not for everyone, whether it's timing or budget or personal style. As I, um, you know, personally built my own intuitive abilities over time, I drew from a combination of one-on-one support with uh, mentors and experts and online courses and intensive retreats, which are not possible right now because of COVID. But that kind of combination of pieces and then the occasional book here and there or a podcast episode, things like that to supplement along the way, uh, really is what supported me to have the, the fastest most effective and honestly funnest way for me to develop my own skills and knowledge. So that's why I really do encourage you to consider taking an online course. If you enjoy my work, I would love for you to take, you know, my course and join me for my dream interpretation for sensitive souls. And you can enjoy your podcast listener discount. If it's not with me, I really hope you consider finding another teacher that matches your style and needs to learn more about your dreams. Uh, Dream practice is something that you can read about in books. Um, And I also find that it, you know, it is a practice. So it is really something that you really need to do and actively engage in. And courses are really the best way to do that. And then to have community and to have, um, you know, people around you that are sharing their experiences, there's just a different level of engagement material. I think you, I think you get what I mean. I think you know what I mean. If you don't know what I mean, then I definitely encourage you to try an online course, whether it's about dreams or something else in the future. Like, I think they're great. I super love them. Um, or let's say you're, you're kind of like more of the person where you like to be more private. You like really customized support. You like a custom container. You like to go deep, um, in your personal material versus kind of learning a framework to then work with your personal material moving forward. Then that's when it's a good idea to consider working one-on-one with a practitioner I personally do intuitive mentoring and dream interpretation work myself in one-on-one work that I do. So if that interests you, that's also available. You can find the link on the one-on-one section of my website. And if you feel strongly pulled towards that, we can have a 30 minute consultation and see if we're both, um, if we both agree that we're a good match or you can find another practitioner. But let's say I'm, you know, I'm talking to you about like considering an online course to learn a dream practice and how to interpret your dreams. And let's say I've talked about one-on-one work to uh, develop some dream interpretation skills and experience. 
if none of those pieces are either none of those pieces match you or you're like, well, I don't know if I'm fully ready for it. That's okay. Then you could, if you're the book kind of person, you could, there are some great books out there about dream work. Um, there are a lot of authors, but the, the one that I perhaps love the most and I've had the, I think strongest affinity with over, gosh, I don't know, seven years or something, maybe. I don't remember when I first found one of his books, but um, the author is Robert Moss. He's one of my favorite dream teachers. And um, I'll never forget when I found one of his books, I I found it on a shelf in a a community like library. And I remember picking it off the shelf and kind of just leafing, like reading something and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, somebody actually understands like these crazy dreams I have. (laughs) And so like, there's more, there's more to it than the, like the Google searching symbolism I had been finding. So Robert Moss is a great place to, to start. But I do hope that you consider, um, taking a course, whether it's with me or someone else or doing some one-on-one work, because I do just find that, uh, if you're able to invest your time and resources in that way, um, it's just faster. And I think it's more fun because it can be lonely kind of doing the process on your own. So that's, that's my encouragement for you. So really in the end, and in, in, I'm inviting you to invest the time and the energy and the resources in whatever shape or form that comes in to develop a dream practice, to learn how to interpret your own dreams, to rely on your own personal power, to learn how to really develop your own inner compass to support your own personal growth and healing. Because that's really what I believe dreams are here to do. Dreams are here to guide us. They're here to help us to grow. They're here to help us to heal wounds that are unfolding for us. They're here to bring important messages from people like our ancestors. And um, yeah, next time you feel like you want to, next time you feel like you want to Google a dream symbol, Try Googling yourself first. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review. Ideally, five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com. Until next time, remember being you takes courage. Lots of love. Thank you.